We're glad to be in the house of the Lord and be with God's people. And I was telling somebody just the other day that one of the ways that people mess up so much that are trying to get their lives back right with God, they'll get in trouble and uh, they'll maybe get into all kinds of problems and maybe even have to go to jail and all those sort of things and 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 they'll start studying their Bible and all through the years and I'm sure y'all have known a lot of people like this and they get out and you know they really want to do God's will but they leave out a lot of times the most important thing one of the most important things is is getting established in the house of God with the people of God and before long because if you don't get the right crowd, you're automatically going to fall back to the wrong crowd. And people just don't understand how much of a foundation stone that that is. And if people would get in the house of God and stay with the people of God, it would, it would help carry them over that which a lot of times they can never seem to get to. But they have their own concepts and they think, well, I, I just don't have to do that, you know. And sometimes it's sort of losing battle. Well, we want to just say welcome to everybody. We're going to receive our offering in just a moment here. If our ushers will come on down. And I know we probably have some guests here in the service. Calls of the Lord. And lay up treasures in heaven. Amen. Amen. Where God says nothing can take those treasures away. And a lot of times, you know, just when you need to call on something financially and you have those treasures laid up, well, the Lord just brings... Uh, that what you need right out to you. Amen. Well, we're glad uh, for a couple of things. Sister B, you had your test yesterday. You had your arteriogram, and you was wondering if that little incision in your arm was going to hurt. And I said, no, no, sister, that's not going to hurt. Sir, um, uh, Leslie Sutton had surgery yesterday. She, I've been seeing the Holy Spirit right up here with me because that was the words you gave me today. I started to walk out. She knew I was preaching tonight, and I started to walk out to go home this afternoon. I got just a few steps outside the door. She said, I'll be praying for you. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you turn around, go back and have glory. I pray for you. So I obeyed the Lord, and I went back, and I had her pray for me. And then the word she gave me was, you just see the Holy Spirit right up there with you tonight. I see him. I see him in the Spirit. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So I want to talk to you tonight on the subject, what is your G-force? What is your G-force? You know, when people get under a gravity load and like uh, astronauts and all that, they talk about the G-force, the gravity force. And Brother Jerry has me to tell him sometimes when I get a special thought, and I was about two or three weeks ago, I started walking in on a Sunday night, y'all are out there, aren't you? Hi. <laughs> and I started walking in, and I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said that, that there is so much more that grace, in our case, we're talking about the grace force tonight, that the grace force could do. There is so much more for people that, that really need the operation, and we all need the operation of grace, but there's so much more that the grace force could do, and it could be done so much faster if we really had 
the proper G-force, if we had the proper grace force, if that grace force was intensified, the Lord spoke to me there about that and, and said, if, if we really uh, had the grace force and it was not diluted and it was not mixed with other things, and if we really had got to the point where that grace was really released, but sometimes, and I understand this, it takes a, a battle of faith to get to grace. It takes going through that battle of faith. Really, the only battle that you and I really are called to fight, and I know we wrestle against principalities and powers and all of those things, but what is the battle that we're called on to fight is we're really not called ourselves to fight the devil. We are called to believe in faith, to fight the fight of faith. And I've said this here before. We're called to fight the fight of faith. And so the devil's aspirations and assaults on us is to do anything he can to keep us from getting to a place of faith. Because it's always faith that releases grace. There's no way. Now, I understand that God is a God who gives good things to his children. And I'm going to read a passage here in a minute. Uh, if you can turn in your Bibles, I'll read it right quick. 2 Samuel chapter 9. And just to give us a little bit of an Old Testament picture of grace. But, 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 but most of the things that we need after we get saved, we have to appropriate it. We have to appropriate it by faith. And the devil's objective is to keep us from having faith. What was it the Lord said? He said, fight the good fight of faith. He said, you know, lay hold, lay hold on eternal life to the which you're also called. We're called to live life. We're called to live abundant life. We're called to live in victory. All the amazing things God says about us in the New Testament, but the majority of them after we're saved, we have to reach out and take it. We can't be weaklings. We can't be people that are pushed around. We have to be people that take. And a lot of times grace is not operating because we have a misconception and so there's an admixture that keeps us from getting to the point of faith. There's something going on that we're trying to mix in with, with faith in order to get grace when all God requires is just simply true faith. That's all he's looking for. That is what releases the grace out of God's storehouse. So in this great passage in 2 Samuel chapter 9, let me turn and read that right quickly. A few verses. Y'all have heard this great story. And it says, David said, Is there yet any left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him to David, the king said, Are you Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said to the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel in Lodibar. That word Lodibar is a word that means a, a pastoralist place. It was a, it was a barren place. It was not a place of much uh, to offer Mephibosheth. He was just down there existing. You know, a lot of people just exist. Even a lot of Christians just sort of exist. 
just hoping they can make it through. And that is such a uh, dishonor to the grace of God that he's provided for us. Amen. And so it says, now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, oh, oh, then David sent, sent and fetched him out of the house of Maker, the son of Amiel. And when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and I will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And it goes on down there and it says, uh, later on, verse 13, So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. Now I know that's not a perfect illustration of grace, but it's such a beautiful picture of how, for Jonathan's sake, Saul's son, and because of David's relationship with Jonathan, it's like the father and the son that, that he was, he's looking for people to bless and people to bestow and bring to his table and feed at his table. And so the Bible says in Luke 16, verse 16, what is your G-force? How much are you pressing into this grace? How much am I pressing into this grace? You know, we've used it so many times and we continue to use it again. But if we get strong in the Lord, Paul told Timothy, he said, My son, be strong in the grace that is in our Lord Jesus Christ. Be strong. That's over in, I believe, 1st or 2nd Timothy chapter 2. Be, he said, be strong. And then Peter said, grow in grace. And in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He said, I'm, I'm expecting you to intensify. I'm expecting you to get to where that, that when you pray, you can believe quickly. I'm expecting you to get on my covenant and declare my covenant and say, I will not allow any, I will not allow anything to contest the covenant of God. What God said, that's what I'm going to believe. Uh, whatever God said, they may come situations, come hell or high water to attack my mind, to attack my thoughts. I will recenter my focus upon the covenant of grace. I will not allow myself to say and believe anything except the covenant of the grace through our Lord Jesus Christ. I will throw down everything that comes against the covenant of grace. Everything that says I'm not adequate. Everything that says I can't do what I need to do. I can't accomplish what I need to accomplish. Romans chapter 8 says, He that delivered his, his own son up, uh, how does it say that? He delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? Well, how shall he not? He shall not if we do not focus upon faith, if we not learn to believe and trust in him. At every situation, we need to be the kind of people that can throw down the, the attacks of circumstances, to throw aside the thoughts of the enemy, to bring the flesh under dominion, to where to say, nothing rules over me except the Lord Jesus Christ. He rules, uh, he rules, and he rules quickly. And the more grace that we receive, and the quicker we receive it, the more we will see done, and the quicker we will see it accomplished. That's what the Bible teaches. And so Galatians chapter 1, Paul said to the Galatians, he said, I marvel that you're so soon removed. And this is the way it goes with people after they get saved. How many of you, oh, we've known people that are burned out and, and they tried to serve the Lord and they're defeated and all kinds of things get mixed in with grace. People try, they try in their own strength or, or they get religious and they think the, Religious and their religious involvement is going to 
propel them along and make them able to accomplish what they need to accomplish? Are they determined that they're not going to do bad things anymore? And are they going to try to do good things? And they go through all these processes, maybe all the time praying to God, but mixing in these human efforts, mixing in these earthly things with grace. Grace is pure and undiluted. Grace is a gift. The righteousness of God comes by grace alone. And you have to say, Lord, I'm... I'm trusting nothing except you for this grace to change this in my life. My faith, you show me something I need to do, I'll do it. But I'm not trusting in any. It's not my works. It's not my religion. It's my, not my theology. It's not my trying. It's not my toiling. It's not my laboring, Lord. None of that. But so many times, things get mixed in when we're trying to believe God for something. It's not, it's not those things we mix in that produces grace. Grace is produced by faith alone. We have access by faith. Then to this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And so once you get saved, Satan and your flesh and the enemy will try to divert grace in your mind. Paul said, I I marvel that you're so soon removed from the grace of Christ. It's a total package. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? that the communication of your faith might become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. You are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. That's what the Bible says. The whole, we got the whole package. We got the whole thing. But we have to appropriate it step by step and situation by situation. We're called upon to display the glory of God by this grace as we receive it in our life. So if we receive more grace, more abundant grace, we will see things happen faster. And to receive more abundant grace will have a greater G-force. The Bible says in Luke 16, 16, from days of John the Baptist till now, the kingdom of God is preached and the righteous press into it. The word press there means they force their way. They force their way into the kingdom. And the way you force your way is by grace. Grace, nothing can stand in the front of the grace force when it is properly administered. And when it is undiluted, you know, and when, when it's pure grace, things fall in the face of grace. Things change in the face of grace. The flesh is conquered in the face of grace. Satan is defeated in the face of grace. It's something that he's already done for us. And so Paul said in Galatians chapter 2, verse 21, he said, I do not frustrate the grace of God or the grace of Christ. I can't remember exactly which word to utilize there, but he said, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. In other words, there's no need to try to make, I listed several different kinds of people here that that get diverted in, in grace, and when they're trying to serve the Lord, they're the performers. They get to thinking, well, if I can just perform to a certain level, if I can just be good enough to a certain level, just put all that aside because I'm going to tell you ahead of time, you can't. And the more you try, the more you'll be defeated. If righteousness comes by me keeping the law, 
then Christ is dead in vain. That's true in my salvation, and it's also true in my walk, in my experience. I can see the, the standards of God. I can see the things that God wants me to do. But as far as me being the power to do them, I just need to renounce all that. And say, it's, it's, not my, it's not my righteousness, God. You can't accept that. You've only accepted the righteousness in the Bible of Christ. And the Bible makes it abundantly clear that righteousness is a gift. It is a gift. And if you become good and are able to fulfill the, the law and live up to God's standards through grace, it will be because you received his gift of grace in that area. And then he is the one that's recognized. He is the one that's honored because he's the only one that truly fulfilled the law. He didn't come to destroy the law. He came to fulfill the law. If he fulfilled the law, then that means he filled it full. Bible says in John chapter 1, of his fullness have we all received. And grace for grace, grace upon grace upon grace. There's a song that I used to love. It says, Grace upon grace like the waves on the shore. Always enough. Always more. Grace upon grace like the waves on the shore. All that we need is ours from the Lord. Amen. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He giveth more grace ere the labors increase. To added affliction, he addeth his mercy to multiplied trials, his multiplied peace. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power has no boundary known unto men for out of his riches in Jesus he giveth and giveth and giveth again. Amen. Aren't you glad God gives so freely to us? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So I had the performers, and then there's the promisers. Well, I'm just, I promise I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I, I, I'm not going to be doing this anymore. All that dilutes grace. These, these things in themselves are things that are saying, I, I can't receive the pure grace of God, the gift of righteousness, the gift of His grace. As long as I'm trying to entertain these things. Now, I'm not saying we don't have a responsibility to, uh, to the Lord for him to show us the things that we need to do and seek to follow him uh, by his power, by his spirit. But just like you said, Sister Gloria, the Holy Spirit will be right up there with you tonight. So, every time I preach, I mean, you would think after 56 years. And so I'm sitting here, getting ready to come at home and thinking... You know, you would you think, you know, you would think after 56 years I would be an experienced orator and a polished speaker. <laughs> but here I am, old me, saying, uh, "Lord, I don't have it tonight." But I tell you what, Lord, you got it. You got it. And I'm telling the Lord over there a while ago, Lord. I don't want to be too dry mouthed. Make my salivary glands work tonight. Because I went through that one time where I was having to depend on the Lord just, you know, to have saliva while I preached. And with the bright light, some of you have noticed it's working pretty good. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
I'm just saying that grace is something that cannot be appropriated tomorrow for today. You have to receive grace one day at a time, one situation at a time, and the Lord will see to it that you go through one situation after another because you're called to live by grace, to display His glory, to be victorious, conquering people, to show, to, what does it say in Ephesians chapter 3, uh, to the intent that now under the principalities and powers in the heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. We're putting on a display. We're putting on a show for the universe. And every time we appropriate God's grace and put the flesh down and put the enemy under our feet by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the principalities and powers around us in the heavenlies, they see that, they know, they're amazed at the grace of God. And other people are touched around us when we don't even know it many times. Praise God. And so the Bible says that the letter of the law kills, but the Spirit gives life. The, the Bible says that the, the, there was two covenants, and the covenant at Mount Sinai genders, gives birth to bondage. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I, I mean, and it's nothing wrong with the law of God. It's just that, that you and I were imperfect people. We're fallen creatures. We could not live up to the law of God, and we cannot live up to the law of God. And so the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it actually calls it a ministry of condemnation. And when Moses came down off of the mountain and his face was aglow and Lord said because of the great visitation he had had there on the Mount Sinai that even though there was a glory there was a fading glory but he said the Jewish people that have not received Christ he said the veil is still over their face they they still look at the Old Testament they still live try to live by the law of Moses they still try to go back to that and and they want to reinstate the sacrifices you know and uh, rebuild the temple and all those things uh, some of those things are going to happen but he said he said, the veil is upon their face, but said, when they turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. He said, it's not the ministration of righteousness, much more glorious. He said, this is a ministry of condemnation, because when you expect, read what God expects you to do and who God expects you to be, and all of those things, you say, finally, if you don't get this grace thing right, you'll say, God, I just, I just, I can't do this. I just give up. I tried this and it doesn't work. But the Lord says, but if you get my grace, I'll be doing it through you. And you'll find out it's not hard for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. <clears throat> Prodigal son off in the hog pen and the pig pen, you know, and out there doing his own thing, living his life, thinking he was going to have a good life. And it turned out to be, of course, the sordid terrible life and he said I will arise and go to my father and say father I've sinned against heaven in the, thy sight and I'm no more longer worthy to be called thy son he was willing to get up and admit his wrong he said he has food enough to spare and I will just go and say just if you could uh, at least let me be one of your hired hands and he'd already given him his possessions, but he comes back and he said, um, he said, uh, um, he saw him coming far off. And what did he say? He said, bring forth the best robe. 
bring forth the fatted calf, bring forth a ring and put on his finger and shoes on his feet. We fixing to celebrate. We fixing to party. We fixing to party. That's the grace of God. It makes you have a party. God will give you a party because you're winners, you're conquerors, and more than conquerors through him that love you. But you got to see it, and you got to say it, and you got to stand on it until you get it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Romans chapter 7, one of our main verses, it says, let me turn over there and read in Romans chapter 7, y'all. This is, of course, one of my favorite verses in the Bible in Romans chapter, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 5, not Romans chapter 7. It says here in chapter 5 in verse uh, uh, 15, but not as the offense, so is the free gift for if through the offense of one many be dead much more the grace of God and the gift by grace. Now notice what it says here, which is by one man. The gift by grace, which is by one man. Not by a bunch of other things. Not by God, not by Jesus and you, Jesus and me. Yes, he wants to give it to us, but the grace comes through one man, him. Hath abounded unto many, and not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift for the judgment was by one to condemnation. And Adam, we were all dead, of course. But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. First, justification of our soul uh, at salvation. And then and later it talks in this chapter about justification of life. How our life is justified step by step in its different areas as we trust in the Lord. So he said, for if by one man's offense, death reigned by one. And there, there, there's different kinds of death we know in the Bible. There's physical and spiritual. And then there's fellowship death where you don't have fellowship. There's relationship death. There's, uh, you know, all kinds. There's emotional death. There's all kinds of death in the Bible that, that seeks to exert its rule over you rather than the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. So death tries to reign in its different tentacles and its different facets in your life. So it says, if one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more. And there's four times in this chapter it says much more. Much more. Notice this is the key. They which receive abundance of grace and falling along behind receiving the abundance of grace, the gift of righteousness where you're declared in right standing through receiving the grace, shall reign in life by one Christ Jesus. That is a definitive statement. You can't make it any clearer than that. The Lord says it. He says, if we receive abundance, here's the more. What is my G-force? Am I receiving abundance? Am I receiving a trickle? Am I saying, well, I trust the grace of my Lord? Or am I worrying and fretting and praying and wondering if maybe he'll come through? Am I, uh, uh, you know, trying to receive the grace of God and just struggling and uh, battling and, and trying to do everything I can do to make it happen? Or am I simply putting my faith out there and said, my grace, your grace is on the way. Lord I'm trusting that honors God that's what it's all about they that receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall what reign shall reign in life by that same one Christ Jesus and then it says last uh, verse 20 moreover the law entered that the offense might abound the law you know once you start centering in the law and say I'm never going to do that there's something rises up in you that says, sure, are you sure about that? 
the law entered that the offense might abound? Paul said, I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. He said, I, tr I was trying to do the will of God, and I couldn't. And the sooner you admit that, the better. And the sooner you quit trying and say, it's all by your grace, Lord. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you to do it through me. Praise God. Where sin abounded, grace did, didn't just more abound. It said much more, much more, much more. Sin is so much greater. See, if the addict or the, or, or, or the one that's way out in sin or something, if they could quickly get a hold of grace and the G-force was strong enough in them, then that sin would have to fall off. But usually the struggle becomes so great. And the person is so centered in the struggle, they can't keep focused upon the grace. They can't keep appropriating the grace. You know, they're so centered on the struggle. But you've got to focus on the grace. You've got to focus on the covenant. You can't allow yourself to focus. You've got to keep saying it when all hell is breaking loose. You've got to keep confessing it when everything denies it. You've got to say, I don't care what it seems like. I don't care what it feels like. I'm changed. I'm changed by the power and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in time, it will come to pass. It will work faster, more forcefully. And it will work fully. And the great grace of our Lord will become real. That will undo the past ruin. It will unleash the powerful restoration that people need in their life. It will unlock the provided riches. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for your sake and my sake, he became poor. That what? Why? That we through his poverty, this is a paradox, might become rich. Rulers are rich. Rulers reign. Rulers are royalty. And that's who we are in Christ Jesus. So we act like it. We talk like it. We smile like it. You know, we witness like it. Praise God. And... Okay, we'll take a break now and start on number two after this. No. <laughs> Paul said to the Corinthians in Second, First Corinthians, he said about the grace of God, he said, you come behind in no gift. In everything, you're enriched by him, by his grace. Under you, this grace given, you come, come behind. He talked about the abundant grace in Second Corinthians 4.15, redounding to the glory of God. And in chapter 9, verse 14, I'm just about through here. 9 and 14, he said, and actually this, well, this is one of the main verses, Brett, we talked about this recently. Uh, you know, this verse and how God used it in your life, where it says, it's really one of the most superlative verses in the scriptures. In chapter 9, verse 8, God is able to make all grace abound towards you that ye always, does that cover most of the time, I think, when you, <laughs> having all sufficiency, that covers most every need, don't you think? In all things, that covers most situations that I would think you could ever face. May abound to every good work. You know, last year, almost a year ago now, and I don't recommend this as for anybody else, but I had a kidney stone hit me last July. Oh, it was very, very painful, and I went to the doctors, and 
uh, finally I went to the doctors after I was standing on the covenant and, and, and moaning one breath and declaring the covenant the next. And hollering in pain. Oh, you know how you do, you know, when you're hurting so bad. And then and say, Lord, I stand on your covenant. I stand on your covenant. And I felt like one day the Lord said, over and over that day, I'll take care of it. So I went to the doctors and they, they said, well, we can, you know, we can bust it up and all that. It moved. After that, I said, well, we're going to wait a while. I'm gonna, I quit hurting. I, I declared against that pain. I stood against that pain. I told it I had to leave in Jesus' name. And, uh, and so they said, we can, we can bust it up for you. I said, well, I'm going to wait a while. Because one day, I didn't know exactly what the Lord meant when he said, uh, uh, I felt like he was saying, all day long, I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to take care of it. Well, so finally... Well, I was saying, Lord, did you mean, you know, you was going to really take care of this or, or you was going to use the doctors to take care of it? Nothing wrong with that if, you, if that's what God tells you, but I just never got a release. So I said, no, I'm just going to hold off a while. So I went back a while, go to the doctor, and he said, well, it's moved down into one of your tubes. And I went back this last time, and he said, um, we would do an x-ray there and so forth. And he said, uh, he said to me, well, you, you sure you didn't get rid of it? I said, no, I hadn't, I've never seen it. You know, I don't know anything about it. He said, well, we don't see it either. I don't see it there. I don't know what happened to it. So we don't know, but I know what. The Lord took care of it just like he said he was going to. I had some people around here praying, praise God. So listen for God. Listen for his grace. Let him guide you in his grace. But this chapter, it's talking about their giving. And if you read in chapter 8, verse 1, Listen, it says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. The grace of God bestowed. See, bestowal requires something. For some, this to be bestowed, it required churches that were strong in faith. And the next verse tells you in their giving how they were strong in faith. Well, this is an amazing verse. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy in the great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy, and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Now that does not make sense in the natural. So these were people of deep poverty, but they just kept reaching down in there and giving something of whatever they had. They were poverty-stricken people. But they wanted to give, so they'd reach down in there and give. They, they, they got beyond that point that said, I can't afford to. Or, I've got to pay my bills first. Oh, no, you pay God before you pay any bills. Bills don't get first priority in this kingdom. God gets first priority in this kingdom. Praise the Lord. He said, for to their power, I bear record. Yes, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. And then if you go over the last part of this chapter, it says, verse 13, Whilst by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection to the gospel of Christ. They said, we're subjected. We're going to give. If, that's the first thing we do. We're going with our money. The first thing we do, we're going to do is give. We're going to give. That's the first thing. Always first. And for your liberal distribution of them and at all men, and by their prayer for you, which long after you, for the exceeding grace of God that is in you. The exceeding, exceeding grace of God. And I could go on about more grace and abundant grace and all this, but what is your chief force tonight? Don't moan, don't groan, don't gripe, don't complain, don't doubt, don't toil, don't strive. 
The disciples were toiling and we would have been too trying to get their boat to the other side. They couldn't get there and Jesus saw them toiling and rowing. He came about the third or fourth watch, I forget what it was. And there's one verse I believe that says, when Jesus came on board, immediately they got to the other shore. Now I don't know how that happened. All I know is that when Jesus gets on board, he'll get you where you need to go. He'll take care of the situation. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. What is your G-force? Are you pressing in with grace? It's for everybody. It's for the down and outer. It, it, nobody can say, I don't have access to the grace of God. Nobody can say, well, if you'd, if you'd been brought up with the way I was, uh, you'd understand you wouldn't. Uh, and I know there's, there's different problems, but I'm, I'm just saying the grace of God overrides it all. It overrides it all. And the person that's way down and out has as much access to the grace of God as anybody else. We need a stronger G-force to press our way in. Amen. So we're going to close. If you're here tonight and you're a, just uh, been sort of, what would be the word, sort of a fluctuating and vacillating on your belief of grace in a situation in your life, and you haven't been fixing your firm mind upon that gift and the covenant gift. And it's time for you to stabilize yourself and say, I'm not going to look at the failure anymore. I'm not going to allow that defeat to linger in my mind. I keep bringing my mind back to the grace of my Lord Jesus Christ. I will stabilize my mind tonight and come back and I will declare that the finality is true even before I see it. I'm going to stay upon the finished product. Hallelujah. If you need to do that and you've been fluctuating, vacillating in our closing prayer while we wait just a moment, will you come before we close our prayer and we'll pray that you will become strong in the grace that you need in this area tonight while we wait just a moment. Let's all bow our heads for a word of prayer. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Oh, I know this is a church of grace and people of grace because you've been taught it and you believe it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we've all been there, Father, when we were not being able to focus on your full grace in our life. Lord, where things were bouncing us back and forth. Lord, or we was trying to make it happen. Lord, we just come to that place where we cease from our own labors and say, okay, here, Lord, it's all in your hands. If you lead me to do something and tell me to do something by faith, I will do it. But I am trusting you for the mighty outcome in this situation. And I know your grace is on the way. Your grace is on the way for yet a little while and he that shall come will come. Praise the Lord. And Lord, it'll be done and it'll bring glory to your name. Bring honor to your name. Put your mind on that grace tonight. It's a covenant for you. God established that covenant for you. He put it there. He's, he, it's all available on your account. Now you just draw it out and you don't let the other things take your mind. The flesh, the weakness of the flesh, the works of the enemy, the circumstances. You have a right to this grace. Strengthen yourself in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Brother Jerry, do you have anything? All right. God bless you. You're dismissed. Love one another. Thank you for being here tonight.